It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. Everything and anything football. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. City Talk 105.9, all in the game. Neil Atkinson and David Downey with you until 7pm this evening. Discussing, well... It's all in the game. Let's do it again. City Talk 105.9. Unbelievable. Uh, are, we, are we good to go, Dave? Are For we good to go? Deal. It would appear that we may not necessarily be good to go yet. Are we good to go now, Dave? Yes. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Excellent. Okay. Uh, smooth work there. Uh, splendid stuff. Dave Downey with me coming through until 7 o'clock. If there's any uh, radio producers out there, you know... Give us a call. You'll <laughs> get a nice smile from us. That's about it. Yeah, but you know it'll be a uh, it'll be fun for you. Yeah. Uh, it's, this is this is uh, it's very very eager stuff. Uh, Dave, um, you're joking, aren't you, about Everton getting relegated? Of course, I'm joking. Uh, but having said that, I mean, league tables do not lie to steal. You know, one of the worst cliches ever, um, but one that remains to be true. And and things aren't good at the moment. And there's a there are a lot of issues that have sort of came to the fore lately that need addressing quickly, I feel. Um, there, there are, but I, I don't want us to be playing under pressure, Neil, and, and there's one, there's an air of that developing among supporters, I think, that not not one that's, you know, knee-jerk, you know, calling for people's heads and whatnot, but one that's sort of going to be detrimental to the team if, if it sort of, you know, escalates amongst the fans because... I mean, it, it, it is not good at the moment. There are a lot of issues, but I think there, is, there, there are issues that can be quickly solved, uh, which is the fortunate thing. The problem I've got is I think Martinez should have already solved quite a few of these because they've been they've been they've been dwelling for a long time. Well, just very very quickly, Everton are four points behind Liverpool, four points behind Arsenal, five points behind Manchester United. It's only seven games gone. There's no reason at this stage for the to and uh, also uh, five points behind uh, Tottenham Hotspur. So there's no reason at this stage for there to be any sort of degree of panic. It's fair to, it's fair to say Everton finished the game against Manchester United at the weekend the stronger of the two teams. Uh, they very much had United penned back for, for 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 long periods. I'd say really in that second half, dreadful first half, David. It's got to be acknowledged they were dreadful first half. But the second half performance, you know, there was there was loads and loads to be encouraged by. Well, the great irony in it all is that the lack of fitness that we showed uh, a few games ago seems to have evaporated because that tends to be when we're coming on strong in games is in the last five to ten minutes. You know, the the evidence is there against Liverpool, against against Krasnodar in Russia the other night as well. And uh, by and large, but for two fantastic saves, you would have got a draw out of Man United as well. So... That problem has been addressed, I'm pleased to say, but it seems to be a, at the detriment of, of a lot of other things, and they seem to manifest themselves in Lukaku seemingly pointlessly being put in positions where he can't affect the game. Um, it, 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 Lukaku lately has actually reminded me a lot of Louis Sahar, uh, because what Louis Sahar did, and, and people used to think this was a Moyes sort of an, an instruction from David Moyes when he used to do it. Sahar used to pull out wide all of the time to try and receive the ball and affect games when he wasn't involved in the game. And I think it requires a lot of discipline for the striker to actually stay in the middle if they're told to do so. I can't really make up my mind whether Lukaku's been instructed to play. It's clear, it was clearly a starting position, uh, sorry, for that, for that second half. Yeah. But I think that one of the reasons for that was to get Naismith more involved and to get him into the middle of the pitch, and that's sort of the thing here, is that, mm. you know, first half, Lukaku couldn't get going at all. Uh, I don't even think the lad McNair played that well against him. No. It was that Lukaku just wasn't at the races. Absolutely, it was, and, and any intelligent striker, any, well... That's probably an insult. You don't have to be that intelligent to work out that he was the player that Lukaku needed to play on. He was the man he needed to, to you know, to marry himself with in the game. 
and I thought Everton have received a lot of joy from that. Uh, similarly, last week, um, Martinez, you could see Martinez opted to try and target Moreno in the derby. That didn't work either, so the writing's been on the wall. The, Lukaku's best position is not out there. Okay, yeah, he did a fantastic job on on the ladder at Arsenal Montreal last season, and that's where it's all stemmed from, I think. And he did, and he did well against he did well against uh, Arsenal this season at Wired. I think it's more. I I just don't think. I don't think he's just playing that well. To be brutally honest yeah. with you, his touch seems off. He doesn't seem quite quite at home. I thought I thought there was actually an argument after having done fifteen twenty minutes on McNair to go and have a look at Rojo. It doesn't offer you any security whatsoever. It's fair to say, you know, he doesn't look the best the best player. You could see that there's that indecision there with Shaw. You know, it, it felt as though all of that United backline was there to be got at for Everton, and it was only really from 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 when the second half begun that Everton seemed to sort of have worked out how to do that. I mean, it, Everton were a side who were crying out for half time for about twenty minutes. Yeah, they were, and, and the, the the main thing it all boils down to for me is the the lack of Ross Barkley and then Neil because there's no penetration whatsoever coming from deep uh, at, at any point. I know. When McCarthy's in there, he has legs and he'll run all day for you, but he's not an attacking midfielder. He's not going to break past anybody. Exactly. He's not. Gareth Barry, obviously, likewise. Uh, then, you know, you probably turn to your threat from full-back. Leighton Baines has been great, I think, generally, in, in the last few games. I think he's really sort of trying to find found his level once again. But when you've got... I mean, the proof was in the pudding that Tony, he- Tony Hibbert won us the penalty in an attacking position. That's how United could have been got at. Uh, and, and, you know, fairness to Hibbert... He won that penalty and he got in the box. That is not what he's renowned for. We all know that. But it was a proof that had we had the personnel there, i.e. Coleman, then you know we could have we could have milked that right hand side. Uh, it didn't come to fruition, did it? And I, I was just sort of we looked really really blunt from our usual the, the usual places where we're really strong. We look really blunt at the moment. Besic, I think. He just looks like a, a standard midfielder at the moment. One who breaks up play, one who, one who likes to tackle, but doesn't really affect affect anything going forward. The loss of Morales, you know, there's there's a the worrying trend of players who can affect football matches for Everton at the moment. The ones that we need to consolidate are all there, which is why we're not getting battered. You know what I mean? And we, and we are generally yeah. looking solid, apart from individual errors. You know, Tim Howard again, and and. You know, the Jagielka still doesn't look, you know, back to where he was for us at once. So th- there are many, many issues. I think Neil and all, the I, I, th- I wish the international break was four weeks long. Well, with the exception of Howard, they're all almost half issues. You get the impression that if Everton start playing. Then a lot of it will resolve itself. Yeah, like, that's just, why I'm not worried. Yeah, yeah you know, it'll, it will, it'll take one good performance, maybe two good performances on the bounce, and suddenly Everton will, will, will get going. I thought Stones' performance mm-hmm. uh, both in both the derby, which I didn't get to speak to you about, and also in this game, um, you know, it's uh, he's clearly going to be one of the best centre-halves in the country. He's yeah. clearly going to be. There's just still, you know, for instance, just playing the lad on side at the weekend. You know, it happens, but the point being is that there was two or three, you know, he got back in after he made the error late on in the game, and he yeah. got himself back in and, and, and produced a good block. He's clearly a proper footballer. There's no getting away from it. You see so much of what he does demonstrates how good a footballer he's going to be. But simultaneously, it's it's just this sort of, this moment where six out of ten, six, six and a half out of ten becomes seven yeah. is the, I th- you know, watching Everton, I think that's sort of the issue. Besic is in a similar back bracket. He's playing a six out of ten game. It needs to become a seven out of ten game. Uh, and there's a few more of that going on. I think you know the Kaku looks like he might, you know, he might might have been struggling with you know with the the, the pressures and all that sort of stuff. Um, and 
the goalkeeper, you know, it does seem to be a major issue, but it looks like it might not be one that you can address until January, even if Martinez will address mm. it at all. Yeah, well, that's that's the, the you talk about the main issue. It really is because uh, I, I get the impression that you know Tim Howard would have to do move heaven and earth to be dropped. He, he'd literally have to start throwing the ball in his own goal to be dropped from that team um, because Martinez has full faith in him, which is great. But when it's it's almost blind faith in him, because he's obviously the better of the two that we have, um, then you know that that's when problems start to occur. When you know when, when a manager holds his hands up and says, "Look, this is all I've got to play. This is all I've got on offer to use," then that is when the, you know you start asking real questions of why it wasn't addressed in the first place. Obviously, Tim Howard, it, it, it's not it's not been a major issue, but it's quickly developed into one. And it's um, it, it is it's it's for that is very concerning for me that that because it has that knock on effect. I mean, we've spoken about Mignolet as, as well. It has that it has that knock on effect to your back four, which again is going to be changed because Stones is injured, um, which means Alcaraz will either deputise or Tony well, he might Robert. make it back in time for after yeah, the break. Um, or you know, the other option is, and, and, and it's one that a lot of Evertonians will wince at, is that Hibbert moves to centre half. And you put Browning in at right back. I mean, most people won't have a problem with Browning playing right back, but you know, an ageing Tony Hibbert, as good as he's been and as much as he's given in the last couple of games, he isn't. He isn't the answer for a, a, a quick turnaround in form. And I just sort of wonder what direction in which we go in now, Neil, with with these injuries because they all seem to be mid to long term. It doesn't seem to be. Is Stones long term? I got the impression that he, he, he might just be, he might make it back quick. Apparently six weeks. Six um, weeks with his, with his ligaments. So. I mean, it's a, it's it's an interesting situation, I, I, and you know, I don't think Martin has helped himself in that United game particularly, because he knows Tony Abbott can only give him an hour. He knows this, um, which, you know, sort of emphasises the call for playing Browning from the start. I think because if you know you've got to replace him, that's using up one of your subs. Um, and arguably, McGeady can't do seventy more than seventy-five, no, so well, that's two. McGeady can't do one for me at the moment. To be honest with you, um, he's not he's not the answer at the moment, and he's certainly not playing. Anywhere near the capabilities he's got, but the capabilities he's never really shown on a consistent basis. So, um, th- you know that is a problem. And when you've got a man, I don't care how old he is, sitting on your bench, who's probably desperate to get on. He's won the Champions League in the past. He knows how to h- how to play an inexperienced defender. You've got him sitting on the bench there when you're two one down, and he- he's not getting on. Then you know, I think you've got a lot, yourself to blame um, in, in, in a lot of cases. But the other side of that, though, is that if Martinez was here, he'd say, "Dave, you know, you've you've got a point. He's a very nice man, Martinez." But last ten minutes, we created, we made the goalkeeper yeah. make two fantastic yeah. saves. That, we, that Osman goal. If Osman scores there, then everyone's like, "Well, you know, this is the best substitution anyone's ever made." Leon Osman comes on and and, get, and gets the equaliser. Similarly, you know? Oviedo as well nearly scored at the end. He was a substitute as well. So. You know, I, I understand that the, those fine lines, but you know, if you if you sort of look back to Moyes and you know he was a percentage manager, we always used to say, then Etu would have been on there straight away. Etu would probably would have been his first sub, regardless of how Tony Hibbert was tidying in that game. And you know, you've got you've got to say that that, that is the obvious choice. It's the go-to substitution, isn't it, when you're chasing a game? And 
I don't know whether it's Martinez being a little, trying to be a little bit too coy with I what he's trying to do. But it probably isn't, actually, because... Like well, if, 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 well, it felt to me like Everton ran the game after the point Osman came on. Yeah, I think it helped he was, that... He was really good when he came on, there's no denying that. And I thought, it, I thought that United seeded the game a little bit too Everton, to be fair. Yeah. They, they were happy with 2-1 and just trying to hit them and hit them and yeah. hit them. But without without having that... I mean, the, the, it's, it's, they're such an odd side, United. Mm. They really are, though. It's, it's such... You know, the, those players who finish that game on the pitch, it's very, very strange, because Di Maria is obviously wonderfully talented. Matters, you know, obviously not far behind Di Maria. Van Persie's still Van Persie. And yet, they managed to sort of turn out, and they haven't had a game all week. Everton have gone to Russia. And the last half an hour, United looked completely one-paced. Yeah. You know, it was, it's, they, 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 they couldn't get any decent passage of play going. The first half of the game, they were knocking it around quite nicely. It, it helped that Everton weren't playing at all well. But they're just, they, they, they just do strike you as, as, as such an odd sort of setup. You know, Blind, was frankly lucky to stay on the pitch mm. in terms of, you know, repeatedly making yellow card tackles. Falcao couldn't hit a thing until he got the um, got the one into the back of the net. Which again comes from a drag shot from Demonia. Which yeah comes from a, exactly comes from they're just such in such an odd place Manchester United. But I think it's um, you know. Everton, I think, they've got to build around what's working well for them. And it's, it's in, in Barry and Naismith, you, they've got two of the most intelligent footballers in the country, frankly, who are able to, to dictate the front two-thirds of the pitch. And if they can get Jagielka into some degree of form, then there's a spine that runs through there that I think Everton can, can begin to do something around. What, what, what fears me, what scares me about that is that I, I think Martinez's style of play sort of doesn't, doesn't figure with the the team we have at our disposal at the moment, Neil, and I, I sort of think when I'm sitting there looking at it, I'm thinking, you know, would it would it hurt to be a little bit more direct with just based purely on the team that we've got available? Because you know, you, you can you, you can use Lukaku as a target, you can play off Lukaku. But he, but, but he didn't win his battles for that. You know, I thought Evan Wego more direct first half an hour, and he wasn't winning his yeah. battles, and that was I thought that was a major problem. And even the shot he has, you know, it's one nil at the time. The shot he has, which listen, he's a number nine. He's playing as a number nine. He's got every right to take that shot on. Don't get me wrong, but the intelligent thing to do was to look up, was to hold it up, and then look and see if you can bring yeah. someone into play because you've got them panicked, you've got them on the back foot, you can buy yourself a bit of time and his, his balance was all wrong. It, it, it felt to me like Everton were trying to be more direct that first half but they just couldn't do it and, and maybe that is the Martinez problem is that there will be time when it is time to go more direct but there's still, the, the, he's not got that in them yet. Yeah, that's that's the, that, that's exactly what I'm getting at to be honest because, <clears throat> you know, if he if he's drilling these players into a philosophy that he, he won't shift from you. He, he, he won't move from. There's no. There's no pragmatism in it whatsoever. That that that's fair enough when you've got the personnel throughout the team. But you know it needs to be remembered that a bulk of this side is from David Moyes, and that was a direct side, whether we like it or not. You know Moyes, Moyes played some decent football at, at times, but it, again going back to that that phrase, it was a percentage sort of side that he set up. Um, with Martinez sort of going very much the other way on it. It does make you think. Well, do these lads sort of remember? Do they have? Do they have the memory of how to play that way? Um, has it has it been drilled into them too much that they have to stick to a certain way of playing? Then, therefore, when they're asked to do something different, mm. it becomes far more difficult to do. <coughs> yeah, and that's it. And I thought that I thought that you know, Everton were trying to they were trying to get at Lukaku, have him go up against the young lads, see if he can ruffle them a little bit. But then it was it it, it was what happens next. They felt they felt to me curiously unbalanced. Everton watching the game. Um, 
again, this is the and, and this is why I thought they looked better second half. Where at least by the time the second half kicks off, it's quite clear where everyone's playing. Pinar was not quite entirely in midfield and not quite playing as a forward. Naismith was doing a great deal of work, but couldn't get himself into the flow of it until he was he was quite clearly playing that sort of false nine role that he's yeah. he's ended up doing brilliantly. Frankly, um, you know, he couldn't quite get himself going. McGeady. I agree with you in that he doesn't have... I think McGeady's problem is that he doesn't quite... Ha- he needs to balance someone else on the pitch who's got to have the physical gift, whether it's huge strength yeah. or whether or not it's huge pace, to allow him to flit in and out. Effectively, I felt that with McGeady and Pienaar both there, there's two players there who were flitting in and out. When you can you can, you can can carry one, mm. but the two of them makes it harder and harder for Everton, I think. And, and all these things were adding up to that first half performance just being that little bit disjointed. And then coming into the game later on there, I mean, you know, the second half was, was, was frankly little more than chaos mm. in terms of... The, 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 the only team pattern that really got established was Everton's and not Manchester United's yeah. and, and you know I think and I think that's to Everton's credit it just all came a little bit late if they could have got that sort of shake up going in the first half they could have been better off and then I agree with you in that you'd you'd like to get somehow Eto on the pitch at the end but maybe you know, maybe the argument there is that Eto, you know, should, should maybe you give him an hour rather than go yeah. the other way, which is you, you, you bring him off and you you start the game with Eto up against the younger player, whether it's Shaw, whether it's McNair, whether it is Rojo. You put you have Eto doing that there to see if he can use his nous against them, mm. and then as the tie, you introduce Lukaku. But this is all I keep saying it. You know, this is it's a tight game. It's a game against two good sides. We're both going to finish in the top eight, and there's been one goal in the game, and their goalkeeper was man of the match. Mm. And this is this is the problem. Well, lessons could have been learned. From from uh, the game in Russia on Thursday because Lukaku, uh, sorry, yeah, Lukaku come on later on in the game and did transform the game. He effectively led to us getting equaliser, scored by Etu as he played the, the full ninety, which really did surprise me um, in, in Krasnodar. And uh, obviously, again, that's probably led to him not getting any game time against Man United. I agree with you. I think starting him would have been a, it would have been a shrewd move, but I, nonetheless, I thought it would have been. Uh, and, and, and there's a, a large element of risk in that, of course, but I, I think, obviously, in the benefit of hindsight, that it probably was a viable option and, and, and one that, you know, could have paid off because he would have had that now and experience. He certainly wouldn't be pulling out wide, Neil. He, he'd be playing on McNair. He'd be all over him like a rash. And then, obviously, you've got the lad um, Rocco next to him who looks, you know, doesn't look solid in, in the least, in the slightest at the moment, so... Yeah, there's there's lessons to be learned, and and there's there's man management, not man management. There's there's tactical in-game management that, that needs addressing at the moment. I think for Everton. Okay, this is City Talk One Hundred Five Point Nine. This is all in the game. We're going to talk loads about Jordan Henderson in a minute. It's all in the game with Neil Atkinson and David Downey on City Talk One Hundred Five Point Nine. It is City Talk 105.9, Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey talking about Liverpool 2, West Bromwich Albion 1. Uh, haven't done Everton in the first part, if you just join us and you're Everton, an Evertonian wondering why City Talk are pursuing the red agenda again. Um, we're most definitely not. We went at length on Everton in part 1 and now in part 2 we're discussing Liverpool. Um, really, really odd performance, I thought, Dave, uh, watching that one. You know, there's, there's, there were strengths and weaknesses throughout the side. It was interesting that the Henderson started ahead of Coutinho in the football match. It was interesting that Gerard finished the football match ahead of Henderson. Yeah. It was, you know, there was lots and lots of little bits and pieces there. Lallana remains bright as a button. Sterling still looks very, very tired. Mankio doesn't look as though he's quite there, but it did feel as though it was a real sort of dragged to the finish line performance from Jordan Henderson there for, that, that got Liverpool through. It was one where... Um, 
you, you sort of you look to your skipper in games like that. I think, and you know, obviously we can talk all night about Steven Gerrard, and he, he, that's the sort of thing he does. But I thought in terms of maturity, responsibility, um, you know, all, all of those type of words you can associate with it. He very much picked Liverpool up by the scruff, scruff of the neck. It was one of those performances, and, and and I love seeing the anger in his goal celebration as well, because it was one of those types of, like he's taken this game and it, it is it's very much his football match. Yeah, and he, he's taken it, he's grabbed it, and he's forced Liverpool over the line. It was it was a grapple. It was like if you ever watch a rugby match when you see a rook force a ball over the line for the try. It was like Jordan Henderson was at the back of that pushing everyone forward. There was there was those huge elements of that. My favourite thing in the whole football match happens with about uh, two minutes to go, which is when um, when uh, Gerard when he's been released further up the pitch is ahead and he tries he tries a back heel it doesn't come off it comes back to him and he he goes to uh, put uh, he feeds Lucas and Lucas blasts over the bar. And Henderson is screaming at him to take it the corner, take it the corner, take it the corner, and he doesn't. And I love this because one, Gerard was clearly enjoying himself. You know, it was a real. He felt like, and then he's really sheepish in his apology to yeah. Henderson that he hasn't. He's like, sorry, that you know, it really it felt like that. You know, the roles were the other way round. One, he was the twenty-three-year-old, and Gerard was yeah. the. Uh, it really did seem like that, but it was the way in which and Gerard Henderson was still saying it to him two minutes later. You should have took that the corner, and it was it was great because it's great to see that I thought that the one thing that Gerard did when he got forwards was and uh, Balotelli after Balotelli was introduced for Lambert it felt like Liverpool were enjoying the football a bit more again and I think that that's, that's what they need to do but it was also fantastic to see you know Henderson feel as though he can he can tear a strip off Gerrard you've not done the right thing there we need to win this game whatever happens we need this game to be won you should have took that ball into the corner and killed time and the crowd might not like it mm. you might not like it that's what you should have done but both of them are right you know this is this is why yeah. football you know football is this constant series of decisions and arguments getting taken place on the pitch Gerard Gerard's right to want to play. Yeah. Henderson's right that he should have taken it to the corner. It's it was it was really good to see, and I, th- I thought it was a, it was a huge second half performance from Henderson. I thought he was impressive first half, and I thought he grew into the game. And that's one that you know I think that this is important. This happened last season for Liverpool. Flanagan's goal against Spurs. Gerard, uh, Henderson himself got a winner against Swansea. They're Jordan Henderson's three points. Jordan Henderson can look at the table today, see that Liverpool have got ten, and go two of them are down to me. I've got them. And he can bank them, and then we go from there. And I think that that's what Liverpool need more of. You know, they, they need they need three or four of, of these players now to step up. Sturridge will do it when he gets back. Yeah. Henderson's there to do it and ready to do it. This can't include Gerrard. Gerrard will do it anyway because he's Stephen Gerrard. The rest of them, of these lads who, who, who weren't Suarez last season, who aren't Gerrard full stop, three or four of them, many of whom took responsibility last year, have got to start absolutely owning these football matches, like you say. Well, the fantastic thing uh, that, that I think from that, the, the corner incident I'm talking about initially, is I think Gerrard would have loved that. Yeah. I think when, on reflection, at the time he's thinking, I'm going, he's making a bit of a show of me in this lad. <laughs> Listen, lad, you know, I'm the boss around here, you can all wait over there. Uh, but after the game, I think he's probably stood there and thought, I, I, that's what I want to see for the longevity. Yeah. Looking, looking at the future of Liverpool, this, this lad, this timid, quiet lad who, who come along and, you know, he looked like a fish out of water uh, when he initially signed for Liverpool. Looked like he was going nowhere. Another one who, who'd fall by the wayside. Promising young English talent. And um, I, I'd really like to interview him, actually, to ask him sort of when, when the penny did drop with him, when he, when he finally sort of realised and, and got, you know, a real sense of what he could do. 
I don't think he lacks self-confidence, though. I haven't said that. I don't. I really don't think he does. I think, and now we're starting to see it come to the fore. I think there is a self-confidence and an ego coming about his game, which I really like to see because he's got all the ability in the world. I, I compare him to Seamus Coleman in that sense because I haven't spoke to him in the past and known generally what he's like from from his persona on on a football pitch. He doesn't quite know how good he is, mm. and I think Henderson's very much of that of that vein because. I, I I maintain he should be scoring ten to fifteen goals a season. I really do think that. I know he's utilised in various roles because he's re- that good at them. But you know, you look at that finish as well. Quality finish, Neil, from sixteen, seventeen yards out, calm, side footed into the corner. Yeah. I think you go back, what as, as near as eighteen months ago, he probably blazed that. He yep. put try and put his foot through it because. The difference is now when, when we we used to speak about that weight of the jersey quote from Rogers. I think he's the, the way to the jersey for him. He, he sort of thrives on that now, rather than fears it, and he sees it as something to play to. He can play up to it. He has that as as a goal, if you like it. He can see the trophy of that shirt, and very much knows now that he's in a position to keep it, and it's his t- to to thrive and improve with. Yeah, I think that the, the, the effort, the, the the shot's terrific. It's just a pass into the, into the bottom yeah. corner, which you know is difficult to deal with. And there's, there's been a fair few goals in the Premier League this season like that. West Brom themselves uh, the week before against Burnley scored two low steered efforts into the bottom corner, and I think that you know that's ultimately the way in which you want to see your, your midfielder score those goals. Moby was renowned as a as a long range finisher when he was at Anfield. It's incredibly composed. Though. Neil, that's yeah. what that, that's I think that's the main thing to take from it is having that composure when you won all. You've you, you could easily you oh, know, completely completely I, the shoulders could have well dropped after conceding that penalty, which wasn't a pen. And you're thinking, hang on, we're hard done by here. I need to belt this as hard as I can. And to have that sort of mental awareness about you to see that that option is there to slide it neatly into the corner and then execute it with a fantastic technique that takes a lot. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's a terrific finish. The all-round performance from him was excellent as well. It was, as I say, it very much is his three points. Lallana looks like he's going to be an impressive signing as well for Liverpool. I think he's beginning to look more and more like his price tag. Uh, not just because he, he got the ball in the back of the net, though that clearly helps. I think it's also the you know the speed of his feet. When Liverpool have been poor these last three, four games, Lallana's been the nearest thing he's been to a high point, I'd say. And he's looked cons- consistently bright. It's good to see, really. Liverpool now, I thought that when Balotelli came on as well, well, there seemed to be a greater awareness as to how to play with Balotelli, how to play off Balotelli. Balotelli's not going to lead the line for you. That's not what he does. No, but, and, and, and that's in a stark contrast to what was gone, but what will happen before with Lambert, because, you know, a lot of them, and, and this is no offence to Ricky Lambert, but I think a lot of players would have been quite frustrated about how the team played with him in it, how they had to play and were probably told to play with Ricky Lambert in the team. Balotelli comes on as something that isn't familiar and he didn't just seamlessly fit into that but it was something more akin to what they know. It, there was there, there was elements of that. What it struck me as the, the ball that he put over his head for Sterling yeah. reminded me a great deal of the sort of ball Suarez would play for Sterling mm-hmm. last season. And the thing about Suarez was, you know, and this is the the Suarez thing is whatever type of centre forward you needed him to be at that moment, he was. Whatever you needed from anyone who plays up front at that moment, at any given moment, that's what he could do. Mm-hmm. You know, if you needed a lad who was ridiculously tricky, he could do that. You need a lad who wins his headers, he could do that. You need a lad who can run in behind, he can do that. You ne- you name it. He can do it, because that's how magnificent a footballer he is. But the the Balotelli touch there, it made me think of some of the sort of ball that Suarez would look to get to, to Sterling last season. And that's because Liverpool played 
with a centre forward who was like Balotelli in Suarez, in that he was doing that every now and again. And I think it's just having a bit more of an awareness. It'll be much easier when Sturridge comes back because I think he needs people around him. He wants runners off him. He wants balls pinged into his feet and movements. You could see that Sterling was doing that. Henderson was doing it after he came on. You could see that uh, Gerrard was doing that as well. You know, they, they, they had this sort of we're getting better at this. This is this is going to become something. And that's why I think Gerrard threw himself with such exuberance into being higher up the pitch was this idea that he was getting Balotelli playing. Yeah. He was feeding him and getting him involved. And as I say, I think that it was it, it was an impressive cameo from Balotelli. How does it work when Sturridge comes back? Don't even I think it works. I think it's the system. diamonds. I think it's the diamonds. I think it's the diamonds. Yeah. I think the key the, the key issue. I think Liverpool's key issue isn't isn't uh, shape game by game. Um, once once um, we get through this international break and hopefully there's no more casualties, I don't think the issue is shape game by game. I think it's squad management. I think that will be Liverpool's issue. It is how many games a week do you want the certain players, you know, Gerrard, Johnson, um, Balotelli himself to be fair, Sterling does look jaded a little bit. How many games a week do you want these lads to play? And what, you know, when when are you going to chop and change? Lovren, so, uh, sorry, um, Moreno was was rested midweek at Baal and, and Enrique was brought in. Mankio looks like a player who's gone off the boil and also looks like what he is, which is a footballer with fewer than 20 league starts throughout his whole career. You know, but you wouldn't necessarily want to have Johnson playing mm. playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. You know, you don't want that. And I think that that's the systemic thing as they play together more because there's, there is, you know, there's such a learning curve amongst those players. You know, Alan will come back and he glues so many of them together. If Henderson can keep his form together, then that helps. You know, I think I think that that's the... You wouldn't want Lucas playing three in a week, but you don't want Gerard playing three in a week either. And I think all this is... The manager's now, you know, he's, he's got to have by now a sense of, of, of who can do what. And that's how effectively you, you, you're picking sides and, and picking systems. It's through, it's just through keeping these players. And it's something the manager's not had to do before. Keeping these players at the peak of their game. I don't want to see Sterling do more than two in a week. Yeah, I, don't want, I, want him to, I want him playing weekly. You know, ideally you want him playing weekly. And I, you know, I feel the same with Gerard. You want him playing weekly. Um, you know, if, if, this, if, there's a, if it's Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, then Sterling and Gerard should only be playing two of those three games and you, that's what Liverpool have got to do they've got to solve that problem and you know even now looking at the QPR game as soon as we do get back because I can't wait for us to mm-hmm. get back again because I expect Johnson Allen Sturridge to all to all be fit and to all be featuring for Liverpool mm-hmm. you know when that happens I think you have got to look at it and go well do we need if, if Sturridge is fully fit do we need Sterling for QPR away the first yeah. one back after he's had that international break he's been with Hodgson he's been doing his sprints with his backpack on uh, 40, 40 pounds of lead weight in there he's been running up and down dealing with all that nonsense do you, do you need Sterling in there I thought we did against Aston Villa uh, after the previous break because we didn't have Sturridge and we obviously didn't have Suarez so you know we haven't got those two but if Sturridge is back fit do you need to force Sterling into that game similarly because the following game is Real Madrid at home and then I think we're, uh, we've got a game the following, the following weekend do you want to just keep Gerrard back do you want to just say well Lucas Leiva can do it if you're giving him 20 minutes in a Premier League game Lucas Leiva can do it you know, you've you brought him on there against West Brom in a difficult circumstance because you trust him he can do it. So, do you fe- need to feel as though you've got to force Gerard through that? Would you rather have him absolutely primed, like Sterling for Real Madrid, and then go like that and just look at them and just say, "Well, we want him for him, we want him for him," mm. and work it out that way? And I think that that's you know, and then from that, that you know, to a certain extent. I can answer your systemic question. Well, it's funny this squad lock. Who'd have thought it'd be so difficult? Because yeah. you know, you know, when you sit there and you think, well, <clears throat> Liverpool, by and large, operated with twelve to thirteen lads last season. 
then you throw into the mix that you have actually got a squad that when he's gone out and done his summer recruitment you've got a squad and you think well hang on things should automatically be better we've got a squad we've got players to bring on in place of others that won't um, be you know affect the quality that's on the pitch but the funny thing about that is Neil they all need game time and everyone needs a rest at some point as well. The, yeah, because got, with, the, with the additional you know midweek games, yeah. that's there. But I think that the other thing that's absolutely crucial is they also need to play with each other. And this is, you know, Ro- and, and that, I include training ground time on this. Rogers is very, very, very clearly a training ground manager. You know, in the same way that Martinez is, he's a training ground manager and he needs to get these players all playing with one another on the training ground. And that's where it's, that's the only place it's going to come from. It's the only place it's going to come from. And then as they play together in games, then there's, the, you know, there's an increase in understanding. Just the Lana Henderson link up for the Lana's opener, you know, that comes because he now understands what you can and can't do to Jordan Henderson. You can put that ball in there, you can make that run, and he will find you. Mm-hmm. And he was doing, you know, around this time last season, he was playing really well with Suarez in that in those little pockets of space. He was he was finding those little spaces, and now Lana knows I can I can do this with this guy. This is what I, mm-hmm. I I can use him this way, and there, and therefore does use him that way and gets himself onto the end of it. And I think that you know there's there's still a, a few little systemic issues. I thought that first half especially too many aimless balls put, being put into the box it's it, it's got to get knocked on the head but then again you know that's a personnel thing Johnson comes back Mankio gets to have some a bit more of a rest freshen up just be educated by Rodgers you know I don't want you doing that mate I prefer you do you do this you look here you come there and they also realise that you know the players he's playing with realise Mankio is not Johnson mm-hmm. Maybe someone needs to come and help him and give him an easy pull, easy ball that comes back in. Johnson will spend his life cutting into midfield yeah. and being another midfielder and letting someone else go so wide, so that now effectively, you know, Henderson's almost playing. He's able to play in this this space here. And last season, I thought, you know, when when he was playing well, Johnson was linking up really well with Henderson and Sterling. Get that going. Get Alan linking up as he did as he did against Spurs, linking up nicely with Moreno, you know, on the other side when they are playing the diamonds. Get that going. Sturridge coming in off any flank, being able to play into Balotelli. Let's have a look at that. There's loads and loads of possibilities. It's all training groundwork, though, Dave. I wanted to ask you about Johnson because um, I think it's an interesting predicament that he comes back into. Um, you, you, do you see or do you feel as if he's still the priority right back? Oh, completely. Um, I mean. Th- Basically, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's probably as good a defender as Mankio, but I don't think that that matters as much as as much as we want to say that it matters. Uh, we want to say, well, uh, the first thing I want from me fullbacks is them to be able to defend. Theoretically, yeah, but ultimately, in terms of what you're actually asking them to do on the pitch, and if you're Liverpool, and most the next day, uh, the next international break, Liverpool don't play anyone who should come in the top half. In between the, these next two international, uh, this the October one and the November one, no one in the top half. So fundamentally, well, no, sorry. Um, apart from Chelsea, Chelsea's the at the end of this little run. Um, and they will come in the top half. Dave, I've got to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but you know, that's free for you, ladies. Yeah, that's free for you. It's a guarantee. Uh, but. You know, there's there's no real. Obviously, they'll have good players. Obviously, they'll be turning you around. But Mankio isn't helping Liverpool get through the middle third of the pitch with the ball under in possession in a calm manner, getting them into the final third in a calm manner. You know, and the other thing is fundamentally, he's a footballer the opposition want to see on the ball. And Liverpool, if you're playing at home and you're going up against sides who are tough to break down, who are going to defend with the lives until they get two 0 down. At which point. You're home free, mm. but you know we're going to defend for the lives. What he feels that there's something to defend. If that's what you're up against, you don't want to have a fullback on the pitch. Who they go? Let him have it. What's he going to yeah. do? 
what's he going to do? And Johnson, for all his weaknesses, and trust me, he's got them, you don't want to leave Glenn Johnson in possession because he can pick a pass. Damage it, yeah. Because he can hurt you. And that's why, you know, it's easy to say, well, I'd like him if he was a better defender. I'd like to see him do more of this. I'd like to see him do more of that. Fundamentally, Liverpool needs a right-back who knits play up and allows Sterling, Henderson, uh, Sturridge when he plays, who gets all these lads into positions where they can then hurt you. And that's... I, I, think, that's been a, I think it's been a massive issue, actually, and I think it's grown and grown and grown and grown and grown game by game. Johnson was doing a lot of people's heads in, not least mine, before he... He went out injured, and Mankiw at first felt like a breath of fresh air. But you've seen what the limitation of being allowed to have the ball is of what because the other thing that happens is the opposition clearly funnel play that way. Yeah. And Gerard's happy to play. Gerard's happy to look and see his right back because as far as Gerard's concerned, he's trusting the lad. He's pinging the ball to him. He gets it under. But even by the time he's got it under control, sometimes you know they're either set or picking people up. It's and it's, it feels like I'm slaughtering the lad. The key thing about Mankiw is he's got fewer than twenty mm. league starts for, for, through his entire career. Yeah. He'll grow as a player. This is City Talk 105.9. This is all in the game. Uh, after the break, we'll just talk more about football, I think. It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. On City Talk 105.9. It is all in the game, City Talk 105.9. I was the part in part three where Dave has to work out what our out time is. Um, and he's currently doing so without a pen. Crisis point now. Use the computer in front of your table, yeah. use your phone. Oh, yeah. um, you've got the computer there. I'm sure you can make it work. It may, in a minute, Dave Downey might send an unexpected tweet from the City Talk account. That's mostly numbers and times, but I'm sure you'll understand that. Um, to talk back about Everton, as we did in part one before we uh, leave this evening and, um, and make our move, uh, the key thing that, that strikes me is... Everton so far, you know, they are they're behind on the points they got last season. They're behind on the points that they got from the similar fixtures last season. But crucially, you know, they've now played Chelsea, they've now played Arsenal, they've now played Liverpool, and they've now played Manchester United. And two of those are away games. And you know, you know, Dave, this is this is why I can understand, you know, Evertonians being concerned. But that that's just seven games. Four of them have been, I'd say, four of, I'd say they are four of Everton's toughest twelve fixtures of the season. So they've got, you know, in in, in seven of the in seven of the thirty eight games, which isn't even a sixth of the thirty eight games. I don't think, or it might just be a sixth. Um, they've actually played, uh, I'd say, a third of the hardest games. So there's there's plenty of time here if we see it as a, you know, as as, as a handicap race almost for Everton to to, to begin to make this ground up. Yeah, it's uh, it, it is it's a different way of looking at it when you when you sort of can see that the fixes we've had have been difficult. The most difficult you're probably going to get in the Premier League, like you say, most of them. You know, you you're probably looking at half a season's worth of you to sort of spread them out. So by by and large, I mean, I was only, I was saying in, in the previous hour to Sangi, um, next five, I'd be expecting ten at least. Yeah, it's time to make. I think for both Merseyside yeah. clubs, it's time. You know, between in the next month or so, when we come back from this break, it's time to make hay. It's time to put some points on the board. It is, and <clears throat> and and while whilst that's happening, Neil, you've got the bigger the bigger the sides that are near the top at the moment, like Chelsea, City, etc. Are going to be playing each other in that time as well. So it, it very much is time to try and capitalise on that and 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 make some points up, and uh, then it won't look as bad. Which is, you know. I mean, it's it's hard not to worry at the moment, but like you say, with, in terms of Everton, there are things that can be quite quickly transformed into into something we're, we're relative well, to. You know, we, there's something that we know. 
The other side of that, you know, Manchester United, they, you know, they've now played one of the seven of the seven fixtures they've had. They've had one of what I'd say are the toughest twelve games they'll have this season, which is Everton at home. You know, that's just one of them. Um, that's all they've played, and they've only got eleven points on the board. It's yeah. a new side; they've got to learn each other's each other's way of playing. I've got no doubt United have got one or two big results in them against in in, in the, that dozen fixtures throughout the season. It's, he's got a clever manager, and there's so much firepower and quality. But you know, fundamentally. They had to make more hay out of those fixtures. In the end, by you know, by not having an away win on the board yet, by not looking fantastic there, it, it, it will come back and haunt them to some degree. Yeah, it will absolutely. And it was interesting listening to Martinez uh, post match yesterday. He was saying Everton will get the points they deserve uh, at the end of the season, which is a you know bit of a bold statement. <clears throat> bit of a bold statement for a manager to make. <clears throat> having said that, you can see where he's coming from from the from the fixtures that we've got coming up. So. Um, you know, things are still relatively posit- positive if we look at the future, not, not so much the present. There we are then. This is all in the game this week. That's what we're doing. We're going to wear. We're ensuring that there's not going to be that sort of relegation talk from Dave Downey. Uh, we're not going to have that right the way through the rest of the season. We, we, we're not going to be using the R word again, I don't think, here on All in the Game. Um, so it's been a, a decent weekend for Liverpool, not so decent weekend for Everton. But you know what? Fundamentally, Dave, the key thing is this Stephen Naismith remains the best player in Europe. Without without shadow of a doubt, he's going to win the Ballon d'Or. He's going to win the Ballon d'Or. He's going to win the Ballon d'Or. That's all in the game. See you next week. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9.